Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Notice, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is holiness. It's being separated from something unto something. God wants you to be separate from the world and separated unto him. I'm so thankful for that process because it's not just being separated from something, but, I, but if I just do that and I do nothing, there's this void in my life. And something else is going to come along and fill it. But when I'm separated from something, I have to go somewhere. I need some place to go. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob concludes Chapter 7 of the Book of Joshua. You know, we must always yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit and separate ourselves from sin because it hinders our fellowship with God. Israel could not fight in God's power and presence unless they walked in obedience to God. Our favored position with God becomes possible only through the completed work of Jesus Christ on our behalf not our own works. Yet if we want God's power and presence in our own battles, we must walk in fellowship with Him. But we must always remember that this fellowship is hindered by our own sin and rebellion, as we see from the actions of the Israelites. Let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. So not only did he seal, but in verse 16 of Exodus 20, it says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. The idea of false witness is lying. You're telling a false uh, you're, you're slandering. You're, you're, it's, it's a false thing. You are lying. And so Achan not only stole it, but he told lies. Oh, we didn't take it. It wasn't us. In verse 11, Israel has sinned, and they've also transgressed my covenant. In verse 12, it says, Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but they turned their backs before their enemies because they have become doomed this word doomed is the exact same thing as accursed things. Now, not only is, are those articles a curse, but now, notice, they. Because they have become doomed. They've become accursed things. Neither will I be with you anymore unless you destroy the accursed from among you. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, does it not say, for the wages of sin is death? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. You know, there is a point which God will expose our sin if we don't deal with it. And he doesn't do it to destroy us, but before we destroy ourselves and our families. And see, Achan could have at any time, during this time, after they had uh, failed at Ai, he could have come up to Joshua and said, you know what, Joshua? The Lord told us not to take these things. I took it. And you know what? Things might have been different. God may have told Joshua to do the same thing 
That happened to David. David didn't die either. The Lord might have been lenient. Not allowing for his sin to be shoved under a rug, but he would have to make atonement for his sin, wouldn't he? He would have to offer the sacrifices, a death in place of his own. And God could, under different circumstances, maybe this whole thing would have been completely different. But no, he continued in his sin and continued to hide it, continued to withhold the truth, thus lying. Therefore, verse 12, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs. And notice at the end of that verse, neither will I be with you anymore, God says, unless you destroy the cursed among you. You see, God is serious. He's serious about sin. Perhaps more serious, I think he is, than we are. Because sometimes we can allow things in our life, we can allow sin in our life, and act like God doesn't see, that he, that he doesn't understand, that somehow you can do something in darkness and not allow God to see, well, The light and the dark are the same with him. He can see through the dark. And the scary thing is, is he knows your heart. He knows our hearts. And isn't it wonderful to know that he loves us so much? That even right now, as a believer, he loves you, and yet he knows what you're going to do tomorrow that may displease him. See, if I were God, I would say, you know what? In my perfect knowledge, I know you're going to mess up tomorrow. And by the way, three days from then, you're going to say a really nasty thing under your breath about a co-worker. I know about that too. So you know what? I'm just going to smoke you right now. If I were God, I might be tempted to do that. But see, he's not like any other God. God is not this vengeful, hateful being in the sky that just waits to crush people. No, that's the way that some people believe that God is. But God is gracious. He's merciful. He's slow to anger. He so wants to forgive. When we sin, he so wants to forgive. He, he's done everything for us. Do you understand? He's given us every opportunity. He's not only told us to confess the sin, but he's also given us a means to be right with him by the blood of Christ on the cross. What greater gift is there than that? Is there any other gift that's greater than that? I mean, how great can that be? But God is serious about sin. In Leviticus chapter 11 He says, for I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, you shall be separate, you shall be consecrated. Why? For I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourself with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And here in the context, he's speaking about dietary laws, but he goes on in in chapter 11, verse 45, and he says, for I am the Lord who brings you out of the land of Egypt to be your God, and you shall therefore be holy, for I am am holy. Wow, what a tall order. And see, in our flesh, we can't do it. That's why Jesus Christ, that's why we must be born again. Jesus fulfilled all of those things in our place for us. And when we receive Christ, we are in him. And therefore, God doesn't look upon us in our flesh. He sees the blood of his son covering us. And boy, that changes everything. God no longer looks at you to see all your failures. He looks at you And the Bible says this, and I love this. He sees you already completed in Christ in heavenly places. He already sees you there. Even with all of your mix-ups, even with all of your frailty and all of your sin, if you're a Christian, he already sees you in heavenly places. You know, some mystically, how, how he's able to do that, only because he's outside of time. He knows all things. He can't learn anything because he knows everything. I don't know about you, but that really encourages my heart. Because a being like that knows what tomorrow is coming. 
He knows what's happening three days from now. He knows my thoughts. Read Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite psalms. He knows my thoughts afar off. Before I speak, Lord, behold, you know the words that I'm going to speak before I even speak. That to me is lovely. Can I use the word? I'll even go an extra step and say that it's swell. It's swell. (laughs) There's a 1970s word for you. It's very swell. So he says, get up and sanctify. That means to set apart. Sanctify yourselves. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says to them, he says, Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort you in the Lord Jesus Christ that you should abound more and more just as you've received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. But notice, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Sanctification is holiness. It's being separated from something unto something. God wants you to be separate from the world and separated unto him. I'm so thankful for that process because it's not just being separated from something, but I, but if I just do that and I do nothing, there's this void in my life. And something else is going to come along and fill it. But when I'm separated from something, I have to go somewhere. I need some place to go. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are saved. Everyone out? No. <laughs> so you get the idea. We got to run into Him. We're separated, but we have to go somewhere. We have to go to Christ. Where are you going when you? When God sets you apart, when he sets you aside, what are you filling your life with? But notice, God says, get up, sanctify the people. You cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing. Notice that the accursed thing was not just the things that were that were stolen, the things that were taken, but it was also the accursed thing. Now it attached itself to Achan, and those of his family had taken it. You see, Achan and his family were accursed as well. And sin had attached itself, and they became accursed as well. Why is that? Because they were complicit in it. The Bible doesn't explicitly say that, but we'll look at that in a few minutes. But they became one with it. It became part of them. Just like the sin of the world was put on Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For he, God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. He was the sin bearer. That's why on the cross, what nobody could see, all they could see was the nails in his hands and his feet and the spear in his side and the crown of thorns. But what they didn't see was the really important stuff. Because that's the stuff that movies can't portray. It's something invisible to the naked eye. Something that was invisible to those standing there who didn't understand what was happening. That the very sin of the world was placed upon him. It became him. It just attached to him. There was a substance back in in Vietnam called napalm. And this stuff was like liquid fire. It was like a jelly. And it was extremely high temperatures. And so when napalm got on you, Good luck trying to get it off. Because as you would spread it, as it got on you, you'd spread it, you were spreading the fire. And it would not stop. You were just making, spreading it more on your body. Napalm. Horrible, horrible thing. And that's what sin is. It gets on us. And it just attaches itself. And now Achan was all over him and his family. 
Remember in Isaiah 53 what it says, and it says, and we shall, and, uh, and we like sheep have gone astray, and we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He, he made it part of him. He, he, he made it on him. He just placed it on him. Think about that. One who has been perfect was placed upon him. The wages of sin is death. Certainly spiritually, but if unrepentant, sometimes even physically. As we look at verses 14, we're going to see something interesting. Verses 14 through 18, this is the process of elimination, and we believe it's by casting of lots. And we'll see why that is. See, God knew very well who had sinned in the camp. He could have spared everybody the trouble. Now think of this. Think of the the psychological part of this whole thing. Let's say we're all in this room, and let's say Tom stole the Reese's peanut butter cup. He, in fact, not only one, he, he stole the whole bag, which is really bad. So he stole the bag. All, all of us don't know that he stole the bag. He's supposed to share it with the rest of us like good kids do in second grade. But no, Tom, he takes the whole bag for himself, and he's stuffing his mouth with it in the bathroom. Nobody can see it, and he's unraveling them and you know doing that whole thing. So God could have just said, Tom, you're the one. Come on out. But what does he do? He takes the time. To give time. He, God gives time for what? To repent. Did, did not God know who did it? He knew very well. And so it even goes really, it's interesting here because God allows them to cast lots. And it says in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. And so they cast lots and look what happens. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall be, uh, uh, shall come according to families. And the family which the Lord takes shall come by households. And the household which the Lord takes shall come by man. And then it shall be that he who was taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and he brought Israel by their tribes and the tribe of Judah was taken. And can you imagine all the other tribes? <sighs> Ephraim and Manasseh, they're like, Oh, thank God it wasn't us. So glad. So they're all, 11 twelfths of the tribes are like breathing a sigh of relief. And he brought the clan of Judah, and he took of the family of the Zarhites. And you can imagine, after they took that family, the rest of the tribe of Judah breathes a great sigh of relief as it just starts to winnow down, winnow down from the tribe, the whole Israel, down to boom, boom, boom. And as they get closer, you can just hear the sighs of relief. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarhites, and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and Zabdi was taken, and the rest of the people are breathing a sigh of relief. Then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, he was taken. Imagine the fear. Again, God knew who it was. And what would have happened if, before they even started casting lots, Think of the, the the miracle of that too. As they were casting the lots, God knew exactly what was going to happen. What would have happened if Achan just came clean? If he just confessed it? Things could have been different, but he did not. He did not, and he would not. See, that's the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. A, a, a godly sorrow will confess. Godly sorrow will confess and be broken about sinning against God and what they've done. But a worldly sorrow 
has to get caught. And then once they're caught, then the tears come. And we call those crocodile tears. Because they're not real tears of repentance. It's just she got busted. Right? So verse 19, Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, and can you imagine the, the heart and, and the, the, the tone in which Joshua was saying to this? You know, I, I think the tone is so important. You know, how many times did Jesus, when he said things to his disciples, you know, what was his tone when he said to Peter, this very night before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times? How did he say it? Before the, you know, before this night's over, twice, man, you're gonna deny me three times. Was it like that? Or was his heart broken and said, Peter, before the rooster crows, the second time, you will deny me three times. And the look and the eyes, the tone of the voice says it all, doesn't it? I wonder what he said. My son, I beg you, give glory to the God of Israel. Make confession to him and tell me what you have done and do not hide it from me. And Achan answered and said to Joshua, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and this is what I have done. When I saw, notice, underline these words, I saw among the spoils. Underline the word I saw. These verbs, underline them. I'll emphasize them. You'll know when they come. (laughs) I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them. There's another word you can underline. And I took them. Underline that word. Both those three things. I saw them. I coveted them. And then what's left? I'm going to take it going to take it for myself. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. You see, Achan's family, they were complicit in this because I'm sure when he brought it and he buried it in his tent, you can imagine the family's going, Dad, what are you doing? You know what, what was supposed to happen here. Why are you doing this? Oh, just be quiet about it. Don't say a word. When this is all over with, we're going to be eating filet mignon for the next three years. Keep it quiet, just between us. But notice, and we have pretty good uh, a pretty good thought about that too, because what does it say in Deuteronomy? It says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. Don't you think God is a God of mercy and compassion, where if he was the only one who was complicit in this thing, God would have just said, Achan, you alone need to come out. But the whole family was involved in it, because he allowed the whole family to be destroyed along with him. So we don't need to feel sorry for them. We see the same thing in Eve in the Garden of Eden and David with Bathsheba, the same sort of thing. I saw it, I coveted it, and I took it. That's usually the things that happen. So Joshua, verse 22, sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in the tent, and the silver under it. Now, I I think that's interesting, and I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but I I can't resist this one. (laughs) Because silver speaks in the Bible of redemption. And notice that everything was on top of the silver. The silver, when, when they dug underneath in his tent and they pull up all that stuff, they got the Babylonian garment, they got the wedge of gold, but what was at the very bottom? It was the silver. It speaks of, of, of redemption. You know, a wicked heart will always seek to hide the good and cover up true freedom, to cover up true redemption. And you know, this is exactly what the religious leaders tried to do with Jesus. He was the redemption. 
He is redemption personified, and they systematically tried to snuff him out. They tried to snuff his message out. They were, in a sense, piling, covering the silver. They wanted to cover the redemption, what he was going to do. They wanted to cover what he was going to do and what he stood for. They wanted to suppress it. They wanted to keep it under, put everything on top of it, just make like nothing's happening here. So verse 23, and they took from the midst of the tent, they brought them to Joshua, to all the children and, and, and to all the children of Israel, and they laid them out before the Lord. Can you imagine that? I mean, that's just horrifying to consider. This private sin now is being made, everyone is knowing about it. And can you imagine the people, the family, they're looking at this family and they're going, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. See, if we were to see something like that today, it would dramatically change us. It would dramatically change us. I would even suggest to you that if you saw a lamb being sacrificed the way the Jews did it back in the day, I saw one happen. I saw a Jewish, they were reenacting it, and they did this. And I'll never forget, I actually cried. I actually wept when I saw this little fluffy little, it looks like a dove soap this beautiful little lamb, all white and big round ears, the eyes that just looked at you like a puppy dog, completely harmless. And to see it sacrificed was the most one of the heart-wrenching things I've ever seen in my life. So they took verse 24. We're getting close to the end here. It says, Then Joshua and all Israel with him, they took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver. Notice, they took the silver, the garment, and the wedge of gold his sons and his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. Notice that even the silver and the gold, the things that were supposed to be dedicated to the Lord now, they're going to de- they're supposed to be dedicated. Now they are going to be destroyed with Achan and his family. And Joshua said to him, verse 25, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel, notice the grace of God, stoned him with stones. All Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them, notice, them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. And I think that is the mercy of God. You know, when you read about it earlier, it just says that they were going to burn them with fire, but that the capital punishment for Israel was to stone. So everything is taken. They first stoned them with stones, they are dead. And then, once they are dead, they burn them with fire. And they raised over them a great heap of stones, and they are there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger, and therefore the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. And so it's really important for us to take a hard look at this and just to be, you know, to, to consider these things and to take stock in all these things and be quick to confess be quick to confess and allow the Lord to, to heal us. Maybe you've been involved in something. The Lord is not done with you. No matter how heinous of a thing that it is, He still loves you. He's still after you. He's still trying to win your heart. Don't be discouraged and, and downcast. Remember the Psalm of David? He said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Trust in the Lord. And I would ask you to do the same thing. Trust in the Lord. Let's stand together and let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this night, Lord. We pray that, Lord, you get us all home safely tonight. And, Father, that you would just envelop us in your love tonight, God.
please have your way with us, Lord, and get us again home safely and bless our night, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Joshua. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.